Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Maybe you've heard of a guy by the name of Charles Blondet. Anybody ever heard that name? Charles Blondet, that's a French name. In 1859, he crossed on a tightrope, mind you, the Niagara Falls. Come on now. He's the first person ever to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope, 1859. He did it with just a small crowd watching. He said, I'll be back here tomorrow. Bring your friends. I'll do it again. He showed up. He announced to the crowd, I'm going to walk across the Niagara Falls again. How many believe I could do it? On the road, crowd began to chant, we believe, we believe. And Blondet got on the rope and he crossed the Niagara Falls. He thought, I'm going to up the ante. He said, tomorrow I'm going to do it blindfolded and I want you to bring some friends. And there was a huge crowd there. I don't know if it was the next day, but the next time. And sure enough, his assistant came up, blindfolded him, and Blondet put one foot in front of the other. Man, I'm getting, I'm losing my balance just thinking about it, you guys. And, and blindfolded, he put one foot in front of the other, and he crossed the Niagara Falls on a tightrope again. After he, when he got done, he said, how many of you believe? And the crowd starts roaring, we believe. And we believe, he said, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. And Blondet. You can Google this. And, and Blondet showed up the next time. How many believe I could push this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls? And the crowds, I mean, at massive size, size, and they're screaming, we believe, we believe. And sure enough, Blondet, he got on there, pushed the wheelbarrow, got in the middle, looked like he was losing his balance, regained composure, and completed to the other side. And the crowd went crazy. He said, the next time you show up, I'm going to carry Carry a man across on my shoulders. Come on. Have you guys not read your history books? This is good stuff, man. Uh, he got there the next day and said, How many believe that I can carry a guy on my shoulders across the tightrope? And the crowd is roaring. You can hear them over the Niagara Falls. We believe. We believe. We believe. At just frantic fury. We believe. And then he said, I need a volunteer. And it was silent. And there was nobody. All you could hear was thousands of steps going. (laughs) Right? Let me ask you a question. How many really believed? Well, finally, his manager, he said, I believe in you. His manager crawled upon his shoulders. And Blondet walked across the tightrope, never to do it again. You see, there's a difference between a crowd and a community. There's a difference between a crowd that just gathers to see a show and those that are willing to get on your shoulders. Come on, how many know where I'm already going, right? You see, friends, I want you to know, we're not trying to build a crowd at Radius. We're not trying to just build a whole bunch of people that come together and say, we believe, we believe. You see, used to, in my earlier years of ministry, I would measure every bit of success by how many people were chanting, we believe. We We would measure success by how many people were in the services on the 
weekend. We believe, but what I'm really interested is in a community. How many know there's a big difference between success and significance, right? And see, there's a whole bunch of people that will come together and say, we believe, but I want us to sometimes, if I could metaphorically say, get on each other's shoulders, because how many know in community, in family, sometimes we got to carry one another's burdens. Am I right about it? I started the year with a series called The Year of Living Dangerously, and everybody remembers that as their best series ever. Thank you, my daughter. Appreciate it. Uh, And so I started the year with The Year of Living Dangerously, and I followed that up a couple months later with Dangerous People. And so I wanted to title this message tonight, I want to talk to you about a dangerous church. And I don't mean dangerous in a bad way. I mean dangerous in a good way. And so I just want to ask the question, are we going to be an average church or are we going to be a dangerous church? I started to name the message ACDC. Are we going to be an average church or a dangerous church? It, it kind of sounds cheesy. It sounded better when I was writing it. But uh, come on, are we AC or DC? Come on, right, everybody? So just so you can answer the question a little bit, come on online, type in the chat, DC, all right? So I know you're with me. Here's the definitions. Average church or average means, it means typical. It, it, it means common. It means ordinary. And, 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 and it's okay if you want to be a part of an average, typical, common, ordinary, just come to church, check off your box that you've done your religious calisthenics. It's okay if you want to be a part of that, but I feel the need to warn you that that's not what I want to be. I want us to be a dangerous church. And, and the word dangerous, it, 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 the definition I'm going to use is full of risk. Come on. How many know the older you get, the less risk you really want to take? Come on now. How many know it's a little easier to take risk when you were 19 versus 59? How many know what I'm saying, right? A, a danger, dangerous is full of risk, and it causes problems. Now, I don't want you to be more problem causers than you already are, all right? When I say this, I mean we ought to be causing a problem for the enemy. Come on, right, everybody? I spent most of my years growing up, my teen years for sure, going to a good church. I don't want this to sound like I'm criticizing the church. The church helped me. I've served God my entire life since I was seven years old. All through my teen years, without spiritual supervision, without parental spiritual supervision either, uh, I really fell madly in love with God. So I don't want to criticize any church that I was ever a part of. But, but at the same time, I must say that, that I spent a lot of my years growing up in what I would call an average church. It was just typical. It, it, it was just common. It was ordinary. We, we would get up and sing three songs out of the hymn book. Come on, how many remember a hymn book? And we would always sing the first, third, and fifth verse, right? We were allergic to the even number verses. I don't know why. I, don't, I never understood the theology behind that. But, and then the pastor would preach a three-point sermon. And he would bless us and always say, Well, I better quit so we can beat the Baptist to the restaurant. I never understood that either. But that's the church I went to. And we were very legalistic. You could basically go to hell for everything and anything at any time. I mean, you know what church I'm talking about. 
And so I thought tonight what I'd do is that I would show you or just kind of talk through. I don't want to preach these, but I just want to go through some of the character traits of an average church, okay? So let's just look at them and see if you might recognize any. And the reason I thought I'd show them to you is because I want you to become allergic to them. I, I want you to get break into a rash when these things happen so that if you ever see any signs of it, because remember, the church is not this building. The church is you and me, right? And so if there's ever any clues or indicators, I, I want to make sure we, 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 we take these two pills, you know, and, and get better. You know what I'm talking about? So, so here's a, some traits. It, number one, exists to keep the members happy. Now, that sounds sweet, doesn't it? It just sounds so like, kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. It sounds nice to keep everybody happy. And believe me, my job is much easier when you're happy. I want you to be happy, my wife said. Yes, that's the loudest amen she said all year. Amen. Because she knows what I turn into when you guys are meanies, all right? So, and, 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 and I, I do, I want people to be happy, but that can't be our priority. Come on now. If we make making the saints happy, what happens is the church becomes another country club for those that already have paid their membership. Come on now. And then it all becomes about what we want. But last weekend we demonstrated that church cannot solely exist for what we want. The Bible says let those that are more mature in the Lord give way to those that are less mature in the Lord. Come on, church people, you better help me. That means everything you want to see happen in church is not the priority. Church ought to be for those that don't know Jesus yet. Why should anybody eat twice before everybody's eaten once? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number two, I've got to go through these a little faster, don't I? Okay, let's speed it up. Number two is the average church avoids uh, taking risk. Number three uh, uh, just give them to me. Doesn't empower people. We're going to talk a little bit uh, more about empowering people uh, and how that happens. One of our systems that's been broken through COVID is our first step. Uh, I want you to save this date. I'll talk about it a little bit more, but we've changed it from first step to next steps. Because we realize one step isn't getting it. There's too many moving parts anymore. So it's now called next steps, plural. Uh, yeah, plural. And uh, if you'll write down October 6th, October 13th, and October 20, we decided the beginning of every quarter of the year, we're going to have three parts, first step, next step, and big step. And uh, we're going to talk to you on the first one about the vision of the church. The second one, we're going to help you discover your personality type and your spiritual giftings. And then on the third one, we're going to throw a party. I thought we had a pretty good taco party last Saturday night. So why not have a party every quarter? Now I woke you up, come on now, and where everybody can just come, we'll have a big dinner, we'll party, we'll celebrate, and we will talk about the wins and how to get plugged in. We'll talk to you more about that, but get those Wednesday nights saved on your calendar. Number four, uh, an average church, number four, has more memories than it has dreams. Have you ever been in that church where they're always talking about the good old days? They're always talking about the revivals of grandma and grandpa. You know, when I was a boy, you know, those kind of things. All right. Number five is an average church usually has no visitors. Okay. Uh, I think last week was the first time we've ever had more guests than we had regulars. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, Number six is there's rare salvations in the place. Uh, I am so grateful for God's grace where we continually see people make commitments and decisions for Christ. And and we see that in waters of baptism and so forth and so on. Number seven is that it's not life-giving. Uh, you, you should not feel worse about yourself when you come to church. No matter where you're at in the journey, you ought to come to the house of God and receive hope and courage. Come on, everybody. Hope in, a, in our Lord and Savior that where I'm at is not where I have to stay. Come on. Now, you're, 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 you're light in crowd, so you got to be double in your amens, all right? Number eight. Number eight is we, they don't impact their community. I think it would be a sad day if radius ever closed and nobody even noticed. Church ought to, church ought to be impacting their community. They ought to be going to the little homeless shelters and, and feeding and giving away shoes and, and bigger things than that. Number nine. Number nine is there's more consumers than there are contributors. We, you, you know, it's okay to come to church and be a consumer. Right? We, we had a, a few hundred consumers last weekend. You ought to come and be able to be a consumer. But if you're growing in Christ, the numbers begin to change. And, and, and we don't just have consumers coming to see the new show, but we have contributors. And you guys blew my socks off last weekend. I mean, you just showed up and served however. That's a sign of a dangerous church. And number 10, number 10 is there's more internal than external. In other words, it turns more inward. By the way, how many know anything that's turned inward becomes poison? Us, right everybody right so I, I want us to be a dangerous church a dangerous church in a good way um, stepping out and being uncommon um, you know most of us are familiar with Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd and there's a couple things in that verse there's actually a lot of things in that uh, that was a chapter that I read every single day for almost a year as God was doing something in my life and um, one of the things that I love, it's, it's the Lord is my shepherd, is how it opens up. And, and when you open it and you look at the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, the shepherd is always leading the sheep somewhere. He's leading them to a table, he's leading them to green pastures, he's leading them to still waters. But here's the common denominator of uh, Psalms 23. The shepherd is always moving the sheep around. So that if he didn't move the sheep, the sheep would eat all the green grass and there would be no green grass left there so they would stop growing if they got comfortable and stayed where they're comfortable. Come on, everybody. A good shepherd, or can I say it this way, a good church should keep you moving. It, it, it should stretch you on a serve weekend and say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, bam. But, but just about the time you get done celebrating that when we say, guess what, everybody, it's time to go to bam to the next step and and our whole goal around here is to get you on a journey and every single week we're just trying to get you to take one more step just one more step you showed up that's a step you gave your life to christ that's a step you got water baptized that's a step you came to next steps that's a that, that's a, a few steps you you got involved in a life group that's a step you, you you did some things you rolled up your sleeves and you got involved in the journey that's what a good church that's what a good shepherd does it keeps the sheep moving come on now <sighs> that's my responsibility that's this church's responsibility 
I, I, don't ever get settled in a church that's not challenging you and pushing you and prodding you and moving you because when you stop, you stop. When you stop, listen, you ought to come to a church where there's a drill sergeant. Hello, everybody. Somebody ought to be saying, get your butt up and let's move it. Come on, because that, everything we want, every blessing we want in life is on the other side of our comfort zone. And all of us are made of dust and we tend to settle unless somebody stirs us up. Yeah. Right, everybody? Come on now. Um, so we just want to help you keep, stay, keep in one step, one step at a time. Now, let me get into something that, that will give a little bit of a biblical foundation for, uh, I think, who we are as a church. And, and some might say that I've been risky. This year I preached out of the book of Revelation. Now I'm going to, like, the second hardest book of the Bible. I'm going to the book of Numbers. Come on. I would say, like, you know God's hand is on your pastor when he can preach revelations and numbers. How many know what I'm saying? But that sounds a little self-serving. But I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go, all right? Uh, see, great churches, I think. Now, here are some things that we preach in our lead teams and in, our, in some of the smaller circles of our teams, but that you might not often hear. Here's a lot of the things that we work on if you were to look behind the curtain of Radius. And so I just want to share those with you today because I think that great churches, they do a lot of things well, but they know what to do well and what to just, we're not trying to be great at everything because there's other great churches in this community. And if all churches would partner, we don't all have to be great at all the same things. Woo. So great churches, hear what I think. I, I think they do three things really well, and I'm going to take them out of the tabernacle. So let me take you to Numbers chapter number 3. And Numbers chapter number 3, verse number 17. I don't really have the time to exhaust and, and dig down into the why behind all this. But these were the names of the sons of Levi, and they were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And, and, and so those are the sons. You could try to say them real fast three times in a row and see how you do with them. But uh, these are the sons. Now, there's something interesting here. Because in this time in history, the church or the place where God... We now live in New Testament, so Jesus lives in us. Or God lives in us. Um, in the Old Testament, He would come and dwell in the tabernacle. And they were a moving people. So imagine the task of tearing down the tabernacle and setting the tabernacle back up. Well, of all the jobs that were, had to be taken care of, the sons of Levi, these three boys, they had three specific jobs. And I think if we keep these three specific jobs, if you will, these three plates spinning in our church and in our lives, then we will be a, a healthy church. And, and, and let me just break them down this way. Merari, he, he, would, he, he was in charge of the posts of the tabernacle. So all the posts, he had to, he had to build a team and they had to carry all the posts till the next place they were going to set up the tabernacle. And, and this represents the structure of the tabernacle. And then, and, and then Gershon, he would get the curtain can you imagine the size of this curtain he would get the curtains that were placed over the post and and this represents if you will the covering or the systems i want to talk about that and then uh kaboth he would he, he was in charge of all the articles in the sanctuary or all the the furniture the 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 the, the, the candlesticks and the labor and the altar and all the spiritual furniture 
inside the church. Are you guys still with me? I'm talking about tabernacle. I see your eyes glazing over. All right, so here we go. Let's make this a little more practical. Let's take the Old Testament tabernacle and put it in context to modern-day church, all right? So there's three principles here for a healthy church. And, and so uh, Merari, he... Um, he was in charge of the structure, so let's talk about it. Number one is, if we're going to be a healthy church, we have to, number one, have solid structure. Let me give you a little more Bible verse on this, just so you know I'm not making this up. Uh, so this is the post, if you would, of the tabernacle. So watch this. The, Mary not, uh, the Mariites uh, were appointed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle. Okay, This is the frame. This is all the posts that make it up. So could you imagine the, the infrastructure to this tabernacle? Okay, I was going to go through and show you a lot of pictures, and, and when I got done writing this message, I had like 23 pages, and so I only bring nine pages every week, so how many know I left a lot on the cutting room floor? All right, everybody? And so it's crossbars, it's posts, it's bases, all its equipment, and everything related to their use, okay? So that was his job. His job was to get... All of the, the, I'm going to use the word structure. In our church, the structure of our church is the non-negotiables. You, 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 can, you can come anytime and challenge how we get things done, but the vision of Radius is not for sale. It, it, they're the non-negotiables. Uh, did, did last week create some problems? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you about them. There was all kind of problems, but the vision of helping people that can't help themselves is a non-negotiable framework of our church. Come on, can I hear an amen, right? It, it's what we would call, in the, if you're in the business world, it's the values or the principles that, that the systems in a minute are going to be built on. And so I'm not going to cover them all, but I want to I come back and talk to you about just four of our corner posts. Um, uh, you, if you've ever been the first step, you've heard me preach out of Exodus 6, verse number 6 and 7, where I talk about the four I will promises of God. The four I will promises of God, we've boiled them down to, uh, we reword them a little bit just so they're easier to remember but here's our post number one when you come to radius number one we want you to know god <laughs> on the weekends that's our goal uh, that that is our primary goal we want you to know god and and everything we do is going to try to help you to get to know god more okay our uh, the, the second one is for you to uh find freedom I want you, I'll unpack these in just a minute and show you what they look like. But we want you to find freedom. After you come to know Christ, the good news is you're on your way to heaven. How many know, though, that you've met people that they've been saved and they're on their way to heaven, but they're still bound? They're like Lazarus. They, they've come out of the grave, but they're still in grave clothes, right? They still have things that are controlling them. And we believe that if you'll follow us and, and you'll get on the journey with us, that we could help you find freedom. Number three is for you to discover purpose come on last week how many of you were a little bit fulfilled in what you were doing because there's purpose in doing something that is bigger than yourself there's purpose in doing something more than earning a paycheck come on i'm trying to get you to amen me here there is something i want you to discover what god put in you god's giftings god's anointing on your life and i want you to discover purpose number four is that i i want you to be able to be a part of making a difference because 
because that's what adds fuel to the fire when you get to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Uh, our vision, our, our vision or what success is, is just moving people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Mm-hmm. Because even you that are mature in the room and those of you that are watching online, you might think you're where God wants you to be, but if you're still breathing, where you're at is not where you have to stay. In other words, God has some more for you, right? Okay, now as we're talking about the structure and the post of the church, I won't talk a lot about this today, but it also includes things that would bore 99.9% of the people in the church to tears, and that's scriptural church government. We've got to have scriptural church government. Nobody cares about church government until we need to care about church government. I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? And, and, and you're in a church that's not connected to a denomination. So that freaks some people out. Like, uh-oh, where's the structure? The tent curtains are just whipping in the wind. <laughs> I can tell you that I was ordained in a denomination for 25 years, and I have more structure and more accountability and more health in my life now based on the structure that we have that I've ever had in those previous 25 years. We might talk about it a little bit. If you come to Next Steps, we'll talk about it in depth. Um, all right, but we have overseers that uh, speak into my life that are my pastors. We have in-house elders. We have in-house trustees that guard the finances of the church, okay? So uh, if we're talking about structure, the other thing is we have to have solid financial policies. How many has ever seen a church fall apart because of mismanaged funds. Am I right? Anybody here at all? And so we have to have solid financial policies. One of our values is uh, increase with integrity. <laughs> we, poor Michael, we were after him. And we had all these groceries donated and said, uh, I don't remember the amount. I think it was a thousand or something dollars. Said, dude, you got to go spend a thousand dollars on groceries. He's like, Ken, we already got all these groceries. I'm like, I don't care. You got to go spend another thousand dollars on groceries. He said, We can't fit another thousand dollars of groceries in there. I said, I don't care. You got to go spend another thousand dollars on groceries because people gave a thousand dollars to buy groceries and it's increased with integrity and we can't spend it on anything else. So get your butt down there to Costco and buy a hundred dollars worth of groceries. Come on everybody right it's increased with integrity it, it doesn't matter if we ask for five thousand dollars to do something if seven thousand came in we don't we don't oh guess what we got it no it's increased with integrity one of the things we do around this church that probably will bore you but it's important because you are stewards of your finances and if i'm telling you you ought to contribute to the work of god you are a steward of everything god's given you and you're responsible for putting that seed in good soil and you ought to be able to see it. You ought to be able to see some meals served and some shoes given away. Come on, everybody, right? You ought to be able to tangibly see that. We build every year's budget based on 90% of the previous year, not 105% on faith. 90% of the previous year, so we have margin built in, plus growth is more margin. We stay on that because one day an opportunity is going to come, and I don't want to come beg you that have already been faithful in the giving for money. 
We have to be good stewards, right? And then after that, what we do is we give 10% to tithe. Now, that doesn't count anything we do to feed people. That doesn't, that doesn't count anything we do each Saturday to bless people. That doesn't count shoes and groceries and outreach centers and all that kind of stuff. No, it's 10% that we give away to other ministries plus everything we do to help those that are hurting throughout the year. I can tell you that this doesn't count any of the generosity or the benevolence money, but in the four years that we've been alive as a church, we are approaching $150,000 that we have given away to other ministries because of your... Fi- Come on, everybody. That's, that's some, like, crazy stuff. When you're four years old, how many know them babies need all kind of things, right? When you're a baby church, you need everything, Right? And so, but I think God has blessed us because a generous man will prosper. Here's what we live by. 10% tithe, at least 10% savings, and then we pay 35% to the salaries of people that work here full-time, and then 45% goes to all the other things that make the church happen. That's what we live by. That's why we're able to survive things like a pandemic when everybody's gone. Come on now, right? Okay, so that, that's number one. The second thing, and the second son, he represents we have to have fun functional systems okay let's read uh numbers chapter number three is anybody getting anything out of this i I know this is kind of leadership stuff but i'm going to go for it after the ten of meetings the gershonites were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent watch this and its coverings okay so the first brother he had all the posts and all the framework the second brother he's carrying all of, of the covering there has to be a covering in a church And when we talk about that, there's a whole bunch to talk about. But what I want to focus in is is we have to have solid structures that deliver the values of the church. Every church in this, every church in America probably has a mission statement on the wall somewhere. A mission statement is what's on the wall, but but it but it, it it's the systems that are happening down the hall that really matter. Because everybody says they want to reach the lost. But I want to know, do you have a covering, do you have a system to do those very things? All right? So uh, uh, let me do it this way. Um, um, Systems are actually what what we actually do. Okay? The structure is our values, but the systems are what show up every time we gather. They're, they're the things that deliver the values. Okay, so, so let me go back. Um, um, one, we want systems, first of all, before I go back. We want a church that is system-dependent, not people-dependent. So when I die, I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. Thank you very much, Kimber. The only guy in the whole church that amen that. The only guy. All right. I don't plan on doing it anytime soon. I really believe I can preach into my 80s. I really do, okay? And, and, and so, but, but here's one of the things. We have to have systems that are not personality dependent. That way when somebody moves, backslides, quits serving God, can't hear from God anymore, won't call any names, and moves away, then somebody else can just plug in and just keep on going, right? Love is not a personality. Love everybody can do. Come on, everybody. Uh, if God forbid, but I mean, it's, we don't ever talk about this, but if something happened to me where I couldn't be in the pulpit for six months or a year, we, we got to have the kind of system 
that we can just continue to do what God has called us to do. The church, Radius Church, I want it to be bigger than one person. Hello, somebody. And so the systems we have help us to do that. And I want you to be... And in fact, let me give you an example of that. Last week, where was I? I wasn't the dominant person in the room. I, I, I was hiding in the shadows. Hey, what's up? I was afraid to get too close to the work. You guys might work me to death or something, right? Huh? I mean, if you didn't know this church, you wouldn't have known. Uh, you wouldn't have known who the pastor of the church is. You say, well, that's a bad thing. No, that's a good thing. Because the church has got to be bigger than one person. Hello? I know that I get a lot of the attention because I stand here every week. But this, come on, this is just one little sliver of what church is. Last week was the church. You guys showed up as an army. Come on now, all right? Okay, uh, and so those are important. Um, uh, let's see. Let me go back to the post here. Let me go back to the post. So uh, I don't know how you did these. Okay, so remember our value is to know God. One of our primary ways for people to know God is through the weekend service and all the hundreds of things that happen to make a weekend service happen, okay? Uh, we'll talk more extensively about that at Next Steps uh, when we have a little bit more time. So the next one is find freedom. The way we help people find freedom is through discipleship. Now, there's a lot of vehicles for discipleship. There's Wednesday night classes. There's life groups that we are working on getting back to. There, there, there's classes. There's, but we believe real discipleship really happens through relationship and personal accountability, okay? Number three, if we're going to help you discover purpose, one of the ways we can do that is by you coming to Next Steps and joining the Dream Team. And let me just say something that I don't want you to take out of context. We don't have to have you for the church to be successful. Now, that sounds horrible, but hold on. If, if we believe that, then we'd be up here every week begging, oh, if we don't have people sign up for the nursery, them little critters or them little monsters, we got to have you. And you would sign up out of guilt rather than being a part because of the giftings God has already put in you. You have never seen us, maybe a little bit during COVID, just to cover some bases, but you've never seen us use this platform to recruit people, okay? Um, so we do that through the dream team. Uh, that's how you discover purpose. And then number four is make a difference, and this can happen through outreach and evangelism and going out on the streets, sharing your faith, and all those different kind of things. Okay, let me get to the last one. The last one then, the third son, uh, uh, he was in charge of all the furniture that went in the tabernacle. And so this really speaks of the spirituality or the spiritual journey. If you've ever downloaded our prayer app, one of the prayers on the prayer app, it's free. There's a lot of work that's been put into that prayer app. Um, and, and on it, one of the prayers is the, prayer, the tabernacle prayer. And it walks you through the tabernacle, all the pieces of furniture. I'm not going to do it right now. But the furniture represents the spiritual journey. So the first thing you came to is the labor to wash your hand. This speaks of coming to Christ who washes us, okay? And so there has to be spirituality in the house, right? Come on, there has to be God moving. How I many know church has got to be bigger than a personality or, a, or, ooh, we got good systems and good plans, but at the end of the day, I want to experience God, right? I want supernatural. Now, I know that word freaks people out, but supernatural comes from these words. Super comes from superior, natural, superior to the natural. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we need something bigger than man can produce, right, everybody? 
Okay, so let me read this one to you. We're almost there, everybody. I know it's warm in here. Here we go. Kohath was responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the articles of the sanctuary used in ministering. Okay? Um, So one of the things you don't know, but we're always measuring where people are on the journey. You show up, we know how many showed up. Out of how many show up on a weekend, we know how many people filled out a connection card. Out of how many people filled out a connection card, we know how many came to first step. Out of how many came to first step, we know what percentage are now going to life group. Out of how many people checked the box that I gave my life to the Lord, we know how many people got water baptized. And we, we, we have a whole dashboard. You don't know nothing about it. You don't need to worry yourself with it. But if we're going to be good shepherds that are continuing to lead you, we got to have something that's measurable. Come on. How many of you are glad you're in a church that's not just taking a shot in the dark come on right we take your growth seriously everybody all right and preaching is a part of that let me talk about preaching for just a moment here our approach is to preach for life transformation not information transfer when i was preaching the seven churches of revelation man there is so much history i could give you but at the end of the day what does that do for us We need life transformation. Let me explain a little bit of preaching style. In fact, I put this right up here for you. Now, when I say preaching style, I don't mean how loud someone is or how loud they aren't, okay? What I'm talking about, can you give me this thing? I think I put it on here. Teaching Bible to people is information. So if I'm so in love with the Bible and I'm concentrated on making the exact Bible and I don't have care for you, it's just information. It's just, it's, it, 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 it's not from here. i got to care for you, for you to feel like it's not here, but it's here. I'm not going to ask the question because I'm afraid not everybody will raise their hand, but I hope you feel something in here, not just learn something here, okay? So, so we got teaching Bible to people is information. Now let's switch it around. Teaching people the Bible, that's inspiration. Because now that it's because of relationship and heart-to-heart kind of thing. But lastly, where we want to get you is teaching application. That's transformation. That, that's growth, everybody. That's, that's, oh, now I can apply that verse. Now, oh, now I can take another step. Oh, now I understand why water baptism. And now I understand why and I'm taking, is that making sense to everybody? So we work really hard around here. We don't just show up with arbitrary messages because, uh-oh, it's Sunday. We better have something, right? Okay, so, and we preach natural rhythms of the calendar. So you'll, if you're around here long enough, here's one of the things you'll, you'll, you'll start seeing. There's There's times I'll do whole books of the Bible, and it's more discipleship-oriented, and it's a little digging deeper. We do those on natural times of the year when there's less visitors, because we're disciple in the house. But when people come back, you'll see every September, October, I'll do a series that's more fun. It's more culturally relevant. It it, it might even seem like billboard hits, because that's when people shop for church the most. And they want something that's relative. They're not ready to dig 23 weeks into the first verse of James. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so that's why we do certain things the way we do. Okay, uh, as we're talking about that, that also relates to our culture. It's very important. How many of you feel a vibe in this place when you come, right? I know Saturdays, it's just a handful of us, but you know what I'm talking about. There can be the same vibe when there's 10 and, and, and the room is packed, right? And, 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 and I think your vibe determines your tribe. You know what I'm saying, right? 
That's pretty good. Let's put that down somewhere. I like that, okay? Uh, and, and, but we work hard on creating culture, and if you're going to come be a part of us, we need you to be culture carriers. We'll teach you that on week number two of Next Steps. What does that mean? What things do I need to carry to create that culture? Here's why that's important. Because certain things only grow in certain cultures. Come on, I could take a lime seed and I could take it down to Florida and have me a lime party. How many know what I'm talking about? Because the climate and the atmosphere is right. But I could take that same seed and bring it up to Alaska in January and how many know I'm not going to have any key lime pie? How many know what I'm saying, right? The seed is the same, but the atmosphere is different. God's word is the same in every church in this city. But you and I are responsible for the climate and the culture that the seed goes into. Come on, everybody, right? Okay. We'll talk about those at first step. Here's what I want you to do, because i got to hurry up and close this up. Uh, I want you to say yes to seven things. Get your phones or get ready to take a picture of them, because I'm not going to preach them, all right? Uh, here's the seven things. And, and you can watch this message yes tomorrow afternoon, all right? Uh, it'll be online. So if you don't get it right now, please don't come and say, could you repeat them again? Could you spell that? No, I can't, all right? Just watch it online. It's free, everybody. Here we go. Here's what I want you to say yes to. I want you to say yes to next step. I want you to say, out of the year, I'm going to take three Wednesdays out of 50-something Wednesdays, and I'm going to be a part of that, and I'm going to contribute to my spiritual growth. Three Wednesday, three hours. How many hours is there in a whole year? Anybody know, Steve? You should know that off the top of your head. Come on, Steve. What's the matter with you? All right. Uh, how many? Oh, you got that from Broadway. Say it again. Five. 525,000. Let's just round it on that. I need three hours out of over 500,000 hours. Come on, everybody. Just say yes to three hours. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your problem? Say yes to three hours, okay? Number two. Number two is I want you to serve somehow. Not because we have to have you or the church will go down. Because one of the things that will bless your life the most is when you serve. The best trick to pull on the devil is when you're going through hell, turn around and bless somebody else and see if that doesn't help you out. Number three is uh, get involved in a small group. We're getting ready to start those over. We'll give you more information about that. Number four, worship God with the biblical tithe. I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, would you pray for me? We're in a financial crunch. And, and I always do. But I always want to say, yeah, but are you stewarding your money in a way that's pleasing to God? L listen, if, if you're not giving, the church is, we're surviving, everybody. So I'm not begging you for your money so we can pay the light bill. This isn't about you paying church bills for us. This is about you and God, and God wants to do something in your money, but you basically tie God's hands. He said, if you'd test me in this, it's the only place in all of the Bible where God says test me. All right, I want that for you. Number five, I want you to say yes to taking one step all the time. Every time you show up, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the one thing I'm walking away here with today? I don't want you to walk away and go, whoo, what a good sermon. I could care less about that. I want you to walk away going, man, there was that one sentence that really gripped my heart. I had to put up with 60 minutes of that joker, but I got one minute then, okay? Number, number six, number six, share your faith and invite people to church. That's a lost art in our culture today. Just share your story. You don't have to know the Bible. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. I don't know, that's too much. Okay, Jesus wept. Work it into your testimony, all right? Number seven, 
Number seven, be life-giving to one another and your community, all right? Be li- <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Be life-giving to one another. There's enough hate in the world, okay? All right, okay. Some of the things, I've been going fast, right? Are you guys all right? Take a breath, everybody. <sighs> okay, I did that for me. Okay, um, some of the things that we're working hard to restore is our life groups, um, we are going to have our Legacy Sunday again this year in November. We're going to restore prayer at the cross. We've been over a year and a half now. Um, one of the things we really felt like we needed to pour in was better discipleship and more outreach. We're doing good on that. The next thing on the docket, in fact, let me just take a minute. I know it's 7 o'clock, but c- can I just share it so it's on video? <laughs> um, we really felt like we need to do a better job in our children's ministry. So I said to our staff not long ago, I said, you know what? I want to I make, uh, first of all, I believe church ought to be fun for adults and children. It, I'm going to bring super soakers next Sunday and see if you don't want to participate in the fun. Uh-huh, come on now, all right? Act like you don't want to have fun. I, I watch you, okay? And so I, I said to the staff, I said, man, I want to get one of those big old, I don't even know what they're called, the indoor playgrounds with the slides and the netting and the, and the, and the balls and the, all the whole thing. And, and I started talking about it like I knew what I was talking about. Then I went and priced one for our size, and it's like 60 grand. And I said, well, I don't want them to have that much fun. How many know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, maybe. And so Mark, being the, the, the guy he is, he found one that's brand new, that's never been used, that was set up during COVID, and the guy lost his business because of COVID. And he spent... $240,000 on an indoor playground that's 4,000 square feet. That's bigger than a whole church. But wouldn't it be cool one day to build a building around that? I don't know what we're going to do because Mark got the guy down to ten grand. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to take an offering. We can buy it right now because you've already been faithful in giving. See how that works? We don't have to, okay, I need $5 here, I need $100 over there, do I got two, do I got three, do I got four? No, we don't have to do any of that because you've been faithful. We could go buy it right now. Here's what I want to ask you. Is it time to do it? We'd have to store three quarters of it. But wouldn't it be cool if kids could come in here and not have to go to Chuck E. Cheese and they could come in here and then at the end sit them down and tell them about Jesus? And they beg their mom and daddies till they drive them nuts to come back to church next weekend. Huh? And they wake mom and daddy up and say, you heathens, get out of bed and take me to the slide park at Radius Church. But we would need somebody to own that project. We would need somebody to fly down there, somebody to load a semi-truck up, a 40-foot semi-truck up, bring it up here build a team of guys from this church, figure out how to build that thing because it's all torn into pieces, but it's all there. I don't know. I don't know if we'll do it or not because the church isn't built on me. There just might be somebody out there who says, that's me, I want that. I want to invest in the next generation. I'll just leave it there. Here's the question I want to end with. Say, Ken, that's all great, but man, I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I came here for God to touch my life. Okay, then if I was sitting in that chair and I just heard this message, I'd say, how do I apply that message to my life? And here's what I would do. I'd ask myself three questions, those three posts. Number one, I'd say, what are your corner posts? 
What are the values of your life? Are you living arbitrarily or are you living on purpose? Do you have some, have you drawn the line in the sand in some areas of your life? If you're single, have you already drawn some lines in the sand? If you're married, do you already have some line? Do you already have some values? Do you have some goals? Do you, do you want a godly marriage? Do you want to raise godly kids? Do you want godly finances? Do you want healthy finances? Are those your posts? I don't know what they are, but that's what I'd be asking. And then I'd come to son number two and say, okay, what systems are, div- are, are, are answering those values that I have? It's amazing to me how many people say, man, I want to be financially prosperous, but you haven't done one thing spiritually in investing your finances in the kingdom. So if, I, if one of my posts was I want to be healthy financially, then one of the systems I would put in place is giving my first 10% to the work of God. That's what I would do. If I said, man, I want to have a good, rich, godly marriage, that's one of my cornerstones, then I would say, okay, maybe we ought to pray together at the end of every night. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we ought to go on a date once a, once a week. Maybe you ought to cook my dinner tonight. No, you already do that. I just thought I'd throw that in there. She cooks for me every night of my life. I've never cooked a meal in 33 years of marriage, just for the record. All right, everybody? Okay, so, but what I'm saying is, do you have a system? Or are you just raising kids and hoping one day they'll discover God? Or do you have a system to help your kids know God? They're getting four and a half hours every day of social media. Do they have any time that you're telling them about God? I'm just asking. And then I would end the message with, okay, the last guy was in charge of the furniture. This relates to my spiritual life. And if you look up the tabernacle, it's free. It's on the prayer guide. Uh, How's my spiritual journey look? I just go through the furniture and say, okay, am I, am I living holy before God? I know holiness comes through grace and Jesus, but, but are you striving to be Christ-like? Uh, 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 am, I, am I living a life that's repentant? Am I, uh, the candlestick, am I, am I allowing the Holy Spirit in my life? The table of showbread, am I living by God's word? The altar of incense, am I worshiping on a regular basis? The altar of sacrifice, am I spending a life of prayer? So I'd take those three posts and I would ask personal questions about my life and how am I doing in my life. Will you guys receive that tonight? I'm going to end right there. You get anything out of that tonight? Okay, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs)